Happy birthday. Happy birthday to uh, both of you senior gentlemen. It's great to have you, but happy birthday, belated, but we've already been yours, and happy birthday to you, Tom. Blessings to you. We, uh, we wrap up our series today of give and take. Giving and taking, we talked about stewardship a couple of weeks ago. We talked about what are you doing with your time? Are you using the time that God has blessed you with wisely for the service of His kingdom? Last week we talked about talents. Everybody's got at least one talent. Some of you have a lot more. Maybe you play a musical instrument. Maybe you should be up here singing in the choir. Maybe you should be working with our children. Maybe you should be teaching Sunday school. But my question to you Are you using the talent that God has blessed you with for the glory of His kingdom? Not using it simply for yourself or not using it for a secular society. Are you using it for the glory of His kingdom? And today we wrap it up because we talk about treasure today. We talk about money, which is usually the very first word that everybody thinks about when we talk about stewardship. But I want to take a little different bent on money today. I want to take a little bit of difference with the the coinage, the dollars, of how we should be rich, how we indeed need to be rich in this world. And I'm not even going to have you stand this morning, but I would like to read from the Scripture. I'm going all the way to the back to 2 Timothy. No, I changed that. Let me go to 1 Timothy. And I want to go to the 17th verse. 1 Timothy 6, 17. I want you to hear these words that Timothy writes. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Gracious Father, in the silence of your house, Let us each be still long enough to hear what you would have each of us to hear. Give us ears and eyes and hearts that we may understand your word, and then give us the courage, Father, to apply that word to our lives. We talk about stewardship, Father. Help us to remember the blessings that you have bestowed upon us, and help each of us to think, not simply this morning, but each and every day, how we are using those blessings for the growth and the nurturing of your precious kingdom. And Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart always be pleasing and acceptable unto you, especially now, at this moment, in your house. Amen. During the 1928 Christmas season, Hot Point Appliances ran an ad saying, Give mother what she really wants this season. This all-white Hot Point electric range. The gift that keeps on giving. In 1948, Dumont Sherwood Model Television 
featured an AM-FM radio with a shortwave radio. And they displayed the slogan that says, This is the gift that keeps on giving. They wanted you to purchase one and have it installed by Christmas Eve so you could watch and listen Christmas morning. In 1963, RCA Victor ran a magazine, magazine advertising campaign. The slogan read, The Gift That Keeps On Giving. It was an advertisement to promote color TV. How many of you remember when we went from black and white to color? Wasn't that a grand and glorious day? I can still remember Sunday evenings running out into the living room and watching the wide world of Disney in color. Some of you just dated yourself as to how old you truly are. In 1977, Kodak Camera ran this advertising for its Trimline Instamatic 18 camera. It said, it's the gift that keeps on giving picture after picture after picture. And last year, Godiva Chocolates put a spin on the slogan. Catchy little spin in their commercial campaign that said, give the box that keeps on going. And they promoted Godiva Holiday Chocolates. It contained four boxes of luxury chocolates, one within the other, within the other, within the other. You were supposed to eat the big one, and then I guess give the next three to somebody else that you really loved. You were sharing the love of Godiva chocolates with someone else because you were bound to determine to give the gift that keeps on giving. You know, we spend a lot of money on a lot of different things, don't we? We spend a lot of money on the necessities of life, you know, food and clothing and our housing. Sometimes we spend it on our hobbies, guns, golf, fishing, sewing. How about clothes? Some people have clothes as a hobby, too. Sometimes we spend it on the luxuries of life, fine automobiles and wonderful, fancy vacations. Sometimes we spend it on services that other people offer us, like when we go to the doctor for a checkup or when we visit a lawyer to have him check our last will and testament. Or maybe we go to an accountant to make sure our tax return is correct. Or perhaps we even go to the dentist so we can have a root canal. And we pay for those services. Those are services that we need. But my question to you today is why in the world should we give to the church? Why? Why should we voluntarily give our hard-earned cash to this organization, to this collection of broken people in search of a Savior and on a journey of faith? Why? Why should we ever invest and put our resources in this institution? Because so many people struggle to understand exactly what they get in return from this institution. They want to know what their ROI or their return of investment is about investing in church. I got good news for you. I think I figured it out. I think I figured it out. We give to the church because we want to be rich. We want to be rich. We want a piece of the gift that keeps on giving. Don't jump to any conclusions. Think about what I'm going to say here. First of all, the Christian walk, the walk that each and every one of us should be on, is a gift in and of itself. 
We should be generous of all the resources we have because we've been given this wonderful, priceless gift of life. You didn't earn it. You didn't pay for it. You didn't do anything to receive this gift. But if you jumped out of bed today, put your clothes on and ate breakfast, you're experiencing the priceless gift of life. In the letter to the church at Corinth, Paul wrote these words, For who sees anything different in you? What have you that you did not receive? And if then you received it, why do you boast as it were not a gift? As if it were not a gift. If you've received it, why do you boast as if it were not a gift? I love Dennis the Menace. I love the cartoon. A number of years ago, there was a group of blocks, and Mrs. Wilson was explaining to Dennis that at one time, Mr. Wilson was exactly like Dennis. Dennis thought this was great, so he went to tell his friend. And he says, sure enough, Mrs. Wilson told me that Mr. Wilson got dirty, had fights, swiped cookies, busted things, told fibs, hated baths, and teased goods, girls. And his friend said, sounded like Mr. Wilson was a regular kind of guy. I wonder what happened to him. What happened to Mr. Wilson? What happens to us as we live this thing called life? Where do we go wrong? When did we lose that childlike trust and passion for life? And for the excitement of life? When did we lose the acceptance of grace and thought we have to be a bunch of dog-eat-dog achievers in this world? When did we cease looking at life as a gift and decided we needed to take it on by storm, that somehow we needed to succeed? When did we decide that we had to climb the ladder of life, the ladder of success, only to get to the top and find that it's leaning against the wrong wall? When? When did we lose that? Because all of life is a precious, precious gift. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that? That all of life is a gift? If you do, then how are you living this life? How are you spending this precious gift? The gift has been given to you. How are you using this gift of life? Because how you use it is extremely important. It is a priceless gift. You only get it once. You only get to go around once. There are no do-overs. There are no mulligans. You can't go back. How are you living this priceless gift? We're called to be rich. But we're called also to live this priceless gift to the fullest. I want to go back to 1 Timothy very quick, because when I say as Christians we're called to be rich, you need to understand again, you need to hear the words. As for the rich of this world, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on uncertain riches, but instead on God, who richly richly furnishes everything that we need. We are to do good. We are to be rich in good deeds. We are to be generous. We are laying up for ourselves a good foundation for the future so that we can take hold of the life worth living. I love that part. Take hold of the life worth living. Are you taking hold of the life worth living? Are you living it to the fullest? Are you living it like rich Christians? We can all be rich. 
We're called to be rich, rich in our deeds, rich in our generosity, rich in our beliefs, and taking hold of the life that is the life indeed. When I was in Bardstown, I had an opportunity to go visit with the former CEO of Heaven Hill Distilleries. You've got to remember that Bardstown is the bourbon capital of the world. And this gentleman had retired. We were sitting on his porch, and he was having some health issues. We talked about all sorts of things, but here's a very wealthy, influential man in the community, a rather wealthy, influential man in the church. And we sat and talked for a while, and then he got silent, and he looked out over the fields that backed up to his beautiful home. And he finally started talking again. He says, you know what, Scott? I got this thing with God all figured out. I said, yeah, okay. He said, yep, because when we knock on the pearly gates, God's going to ask us two questions and two questions only. First one he's going to ask is, what have you done with everything that I've given to you? That's an easy question. Because each and every one of us know exactly what we've done with everything that's been given to us. We know what we've done with our time. We know what we've done with our talents. We know what we've done with our treasures. We may not want to admit it, but that'll be an easy one to answer. Then he paused for a second. It's the second question that's going to be tougher. Because God is going to ask, who did you give it to? Who did you give it to? Did you just keep it for yourself? Were you selfish about everything you got? Or did you give it to somebody else? You see, how we use our money tells us people who we are. And it also tells people whose we are. It tells people who we are and whose we are. As followers of Jesus Christ, we belong to God. Life is the gift. And He has called us to be rich in that life. Not to things of this world but the things of his world. Jim Elliott was a famous missionary in South America. He worked with the Auka Indians in South America. And in his journal, he wrote these words, and it sums this up. I want you to hear him closely. He said, He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me say that again to you. He is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, that's where our heart is also. You can lose your treasure. Lots of people have lost their treasure. But if your heart is not in the right place, you'll lose your life as well. But you can lose your treasure, and if your life is in the right place, when you lose it, your soul is saved for all eternity. It's all a matter of what you really consider important. It's all a matter of what you want to be rich in. Do you want to be rich in this world, or do you want to be rich in His kingdom? We are called to be rich. Not with the things of this world. Not with the goods and the materialistic things of this world. We got far too much, folks. Let me be the first to raise my hand in front of you got far too much stuff. It's never going to make you happy, and last time I figured it out, you can't take it with you. We are called to enjoy this precious gift of life and called to be rich. But you know what else we're called to do? 
we're called in a ministry to make others rich. We're called to make others rich. In other words, not to keep it to ourselves, but to share it. Hear what Paul says in another letter to the church at Corinth, the second letter. Listen closely. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us, whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though they know who we are. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Our hearts ache, but we always have joy. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Brothers and sisters, if that's not a call to the church and its people, I don't know what is. If that's not a testament to stewardship to the kingdom of our time, our talents, and our treasures, I don't know what is. If that's not a call that we should be generous in our giving of all of those things, I don't know what is. That's our task. That's our task. Our ministry is to share the riches with others. No matter what our circumstances are, no matter how rich or poor we are, no matter how young or old we are, no matter how educated or uneducated we are, as Christians, our ministry is to share the riches of the kingdom with others. And the good news for every one of us is we can do that. Doesn't make any difference where your life is right now. Doesn't make any difference what your economic or your physical conditions are. You can still share the ministry, the riches of this kingdom with others. Proverbs says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will indeed be refreshed himself. Do you know what that means? Do you know what that means? When you give someone else a blessing, you're blessed in return. When you give someone else encouragement, you are encouraged in return. When you give someone else love, you are loved in return. That's what we're supposed to be about as Christians every day of our lives. People are hungry to hear the good news. You may ask, how in the world do I make other people rich? Have you shared the good news of Jesus Christ? Have you shared the gospel with someone lately? And on top of that, have you showed the love of Jesus Christ? I'm not talking about putting dollars in the plate. I'm talking about actually physically showing the love, the grace, and the mercy that is Jesus Christ to somebody else, somebody in your family, somebody next door, somebody at work, somebody at school. Have you? Because that's our ministry, to share the riches of his kingdom and to share the love of Jesus Christ. Let me leave you with a story today. In World War II, a group of soldiers were given, was given R&R, R&R, rest and relaxation, from the front lines. They went to a little French village. When they entered the village, they remembered that it was Christmas Eve. Tomorrow was going to be Christmas. And they told each other, they said, what should we do for Christmas? What is it that we could do that would make a lasting impression? Not for ourselves, but for somebody else. And one of the soldiers said, remember that orphanage we passed on the way in? He says, maybe we should go out and buy some toys and get some clothes, some food, and then we can go to that orphanage tomorrow morning and knock on the door 
Maybe they let us in. Maybe we can share all of those things with the kids that don't have much of anything at all, and we can make a real Christmas for them. Sure enough, they went out and bought toys, clothes, food, candy. Next morning, Christmas morning, they went to the orphanage and knocked on the door, and the orphanage director answered. And she welcomed them in. She was so surprised. And she gathered the children, a bunch of five and six and seven-year-olds in the big room. And the soldiers started handing out the presents. And the kids, they were running and laughing in tears of joy, just like Operation Christmas Child when we passed out those little shoeboxes. They were so thankful to get something. Except one little girl. One little girl back in the corner, about six years old. One of the soldiers went over to the director and asked, what's wrong with her? What's her problem? And the director said, oh, blessed little thing. Her parents were killed in a car wreck last week. She didn't have any family. So they brought her here to the orphanage. So one of the soldiers went over and said, hi. It's Christmas. We have toys and clothes and candy and food. What is it that you would really like this Christmas morning? And the little girl, in barely a whisper, said, I want someone to hold me. I want someone to hold me. Isn't that the greatest gift? Isn't that the richest gift that any of us can ever receive? To be held by someone else who loves us and lets us know how much God loves us too. That's really truly sharing the riches of his kingdom. Let us as brothers and sisters in Christ walk in generosity because this thing that we call life is indeed a gift. If you're sitting there breathing right now and enjoying this, It is a gift. Enjoy it to the fullest. But if you live that life, if you live this one time around, I want you to live it richly, rich in blessings, rich in giving, rich in watching over each other, rich in generosity. I want you to have the riches of the next kingdom, not this kingdom. And then I want you to take all those riches together, and I want you to share them. Share them with somebody else who desperately needs them, who desperately is seeking them. I challenge each of you this coming year, the rest of this year and all of 2018, I challenge you to be good stewards of your time and your talents and your treasures. I don't want you simply to attend this church. I don't want you simply taking up pew space. I want you to be committed. I want you to invest in this church because by investing in this church, you're investing in his kingdom. I want you to be Christians who truly want to be rich, rich in ministry, rich in love, and rich in sharing the riches of the kingdom with others. The only reason to give to the church, the only reason to give to the church is because Christ has already given you the greatest gift of all, himself. A gift that none of you deserve, none of you rate, none of you can ever pay for. But he gave it because he loves each of you so very much. I want you to invest in that gift.
I want you to invest in the Savior's love. The love he has for each and every one of you. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Would you bow your heads with me, please?